0: Podcast Answer Man, episode number 419. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.tv. Join the community. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Van Orden from Internet Business Mastery. You are listening to the man who has trained more people how to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And Well, my friends, I am delighted to be back again with another episode of this show, and today I have three main topics that I want to share with you. The first one is, the best way to help promote this show is (laughs) fill in the blank. Now, if you've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, you probably have a clue as to what a lot of people are saying and, well... I disagree with what most of what I'm hearing when people actually finish that sentence in their podcast. I'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. Also, I want to give you just a few thoughts uh, as I come back from New Media Europe and share with you a little bit about my time spent over in the UK for that event. Also, in this episode, I want to talk about the focus that so many people have as their mindset being how can I grow my business? I'm looking for a way to grow my business. And while I'm not against growing our businesses, I do think there is a better question that can be asked. We'll talk a little bit about that in this episode as well. So really, those are the the three things we'll focus on. And let's just jump right into that first topic. The best way to help promote this show is now I've heard this at the front of the show. I've heard it in the middle of the show, and sometimes I've heard it in both of those places, and at the end of the show. In very extreme cases, and oftentimes, what is it that you hear? The best way that to help promote this show is for you to go to iTunes and leave us a rating. And or review when you rate our podcast and you actually leave us a written review that helps us get more visibility in iTunes, which then turns into more downloads and helps promote our show. Blah, 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 blah. How many podcasts are you subscribed to where you hear that every single episode? Well, my friends, out of the 10 or 15 podcasts that I listen to consistently, I don't listen to all of those every week. But the the 10 to 15 podcasts that I listen to, I would say that approximately six or seven of them are consistently, and I'll use the word begging, for iTunes reviews and five-star ratings. Of course, some of them, by the way, if you're going to ask for ratings and reviews, my my recommendation is please don't ask your audience to give you a five-star review. Just ask them to give you a rating review. A rating and review, if that's what you're going to do. But don't tell them what's how many stars to give you. Don't tell them what to write about you. The whole idea of the rating system and the review system is for people to share what they think. And if they give you a one star, then they give you a one star. If they give you a three star or a four star, then so be it. But, you know, if, if you're going to ask somebody to give you a rating and or review... Let it be whatever they want to give. You know, If that's important to you, then by all means, uh, go ahead and, and ask them for those. However, for those of you who are out there saying the best way to help promote this show is by going to iTunes and leaving us a rating and review, I just want to encourage you to think about that language for just a moment. And I want you to think about the possibility of asking your audience for something that I think might actually be better. And here's what I'm talking about. First of all, let's just get the fact out on the table that if you have a you have an audience member or two or three that go out there and leave you a five star rating and they give you a written review, is that going to help you in the iTunes ranking? Yeah, it does. iTunes looks at that in their algorithm. They don't they don't publish what their algorithm is, but I will tell you this: the number of five star ratings you have and the number of written reviews you have it's not even a blip on the radar when it compares to the number of downloads that iTunes can track for you. Basically, if if iTunes sees that you have twice as many downloads this week as you did last week, well, you're ranking in those podcasts in your category. You you might actually jump up several notches. Anyway, the whole situation here is that I do believe when we say the phrase, the best thing you can do, to help promote this show is I would like to suggest that if you're going to say those words to your audience that you would actually say something like share it with someone. Why not tell somebody else today? Send an email with a link to this episode to somebody you know that would benefit from this message. Post a note on your Facebook personal profile explaining what the most valuable thing that you pulled away from this episode and share that with every friend you have on Facebook by posting it on your personal timeline. Talk to someone face to face today and ask them, "Hey, do you know what a podcast is?" and and then if obviously my suggestion here is that you find somebody that might benefit from this particular episode. Go up to somebody face-to-face and say, do you know what a podcast is? Well, I just listened to this podcast, and in this episode, it had this message. And just like you would if you, were, you had just read an amazing book, you would actually tell somebody about the book and, and try to convince them you have to go and get this book. I'll get this book for you and hand it to you. It's like, you know what? Hand me your phone. I'll download a podcast app for you for free, and I will subscribe you to this podcast. I will download this onto your phone for you, and all you have to do later on this afternoon when you have some free time, put your earbuds in and click play on this button and listen to this episode. My friends, could you imagine asking your audience to do one of those things? That, my friends, is the single greatest thing you can do to help promote Podcast Answer Man. That's the single greatest thing you can do to help promote Pursuing a Balanced Life, Family from the Heart, or any of the other shows that I have. Sure, if you want to leave a five-star rating or any star rating, uh, some of you out there like to leave one-star ratings, that's fine as well. If you want to leave a star rating of your choice and a written review in iTunes, will that help me? Yes, it will, but the best thing you can do to help me get the word out about this podcast or any other podcast that I do is to share it with someone you know. Send them an email with a link, post it on Facebook or Twitter, Tell other people about it, but when you're doing it, do it because you feel compelled to. And and here's the thing, we as content creators, if we expect our audience to do that, we need to be creating content that is share-worthy, that is adding value to their lives, something for people to talk about. So here's my question to you, as a podcaster, do you know somebody out there that is a podcaster and every single time you listen to their episode, they're begging people and saying the best thing you can do is to leave us a five-star rating and review? Well, would you consider taking this episode and sending them to podcastanswerman.com slash 419 and say, hey, I hear you're saying that the best way to promote your show, Cliff has this great idea. Go listen to the, the argument he made for the best thing you can do Uh, which is to ask your audience to share it with someone. And my friends, I, I, I think that's a better thing to ask. At the end of a show, and let me just say this, stop asking for the call to action at the front of your show. I just recently, there's a friend of mine who's become a friend relatively recently, I'd say a couple months, maybe a month and a half ago, and really love this guy, and I subscribe to his podcast. I'm listening to the back catalog of his podcast, and I think I'm right around episode number 16 or 17 now, about 60 seconds of every episode at the front within the first three minutes is really saying, hey, one, you know what, I'm really excited about the written reviews left in iTunes that I saw from so-and-so, and, And this really helps out my show. And so if you wouldn't mind, would you please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review? That really does help us show up in the new and noteworthy. It helps us in the ranking and it helps get the visibility and it helps me help more people. And they're saying all of this at the front of the show. And here's my argument for this, okay? Every single episode of your podcast is somebody's very first time ever testing out your show. And nobody who is testing out your show for the very first time is immediately gonna stop that podcast and go and leave you a written review and a five-star rating. And the reason why is because the only thing they've heard from you is you asking for a favor right out of the gate. You haven't given them squat. You've given them nothing of value except for you're already asking with your hand out in front of them. Can you spare some change, sir? I mean, seriously, you're begging for this at the front of the show. Don't do that. Because here's the thing. Are there people who are going to listen to that episode and say, wow, you know what? I haven't taken the time to go and leave a five-star rating in Rioville. And it is important to the host of this show because he keeps asking every single episode. You know what, today's the day, I'm going to make time. I am going to, you know what, I use a different app. I'm an Android user. There is no podcasts app from Apple for me to do it on. I'm a PC user, I don't have a lot of Apple apps on my computer. By golly, I'm going to go and download that crappy iTunes software and I'm going to do that as a favor for this podcaster because he keeps begging me. You know what, are there some people who will do that for you? Yes. But those people, and I guarantee you, every single one of those people are listening to the end of your show. And that, my friends, is the best place to put it. Why not have those people who are just testing out your first show immediately hear a heartwarming welcome, this is what the show is about, this is what topics we're going to cover today, and give them value. Give them something that's going to help them today. Give them something so that at the end of listening to your episode, have them think, wow, I've really found something of great value here. My life is better now because I heard that. My future is going to be changed drastically as a result of what I just learned here today. When they get to the end of your episode and you say, hey, if this has been valuable to you, Would you consider going to iTunes and leaving? Those are the people who are going to do it. So put that at the end. Stop asking for it at the front. And again, if you're going to use the best way to help promote my show, let's just be honest and say that's not the best way you can do it. The best way you can help promote my show is to tell someone about it. Send them an email. Share it with somebody one-on-one, face-to-face, whatever the case may be. Connect with others and say, wow, I think you ought to listen to this. What? You don't know what a podcast is? Let me explain to you what it is. My friends, that is the best way to help promote our shows. And I'm not arguing that you should not ask for rating and reviews. I'm just saying that if you're going to ask for those, number one, put it at the end of the show, not at the front. And number two, don't tell people that's the best way they can help you because it's not and that's all i wanted to share on that topic. <laughs> all right. Moving on here. Uh just got back from Manchester in the UK and had a fabulous weekend there. I flew out Thursday afternoon here from Cincinnati and i got in Man- into Manchester early Friday morning. My great friend, Isabella Russell, came and picked me up from the airport. Once I got over there uh, to the Midland Hotel, which is a historic place, it's the venue that they were hosting the conference for New Media Europe. I was able to get an early check-in and I think I slept for four hours as soon as I got there. And then I woke up, found myself a great place to have dinner. Then I basically uh, worked on just running through my slides that evening for my key- opening keynote talk. And then I went to sleep, but I couldn't sleep very well at all. My, my sleep schedule was completely messed up. I think I got a total of three hours of sleep Friday night, and I had to be up by 6 o'clock in the morning so that I could be ready in time to do my keynote and to do a tech rehearsal to make sure all that was set up. Anyway, my opening keynote went fabulous, and it was well-received by everyone there. Now, as far as the conference itself, again, this was held in the UK, at Manchester in the UK, at the Midland Hotel. It is New Media Europe, organized by Mike and Isabella Russell, my friends from musicradiocreative.com. I think they had about 160 attendees there. It could have been more than that, but I believe it's about 160 attendees. I would say an overwhelming majority of those folks were from the UK, all over the UK. I mean, we had people in, from Scotland, London. several people from Manchester, but they also had folks from lots of other countries. And I know that I'm not even going to get a number of these in here, but just specifically, I can visualize people that I met from Switzerland, Germany, Italy, Poland, Greece, and a large number of other European countries and even non-European countries. There was even several folks there from the United States, which was pretty cool as well. The cool thing about, New Media Europe is that it had the same kind of vibe as what I've always had when going to a conference with a bunch of other podcasters or new media folks. Not everybody there was a podcaster. There were several people there that would consider themselves and say that they are bloggers. The Midland Hotel was a great venue. Uh, the stage setup was very nice for the main stage area. They only This is one of the things that I loved. After the keynotes, there were only two session tracks. There were only two sessions happening concurrently at the same time. My favorite conferences have been the ones where every attendee sits in on every session. And I know logistically there's many reasons for many conferences not to have that set up, but the only conferences I've ever gone to where I have sat in on a majority, if not all, sessions were the ones where there was only one stage, one speaker at a time, and everybody at the conference was in. If you wanted to sit in on a session, there was only one to choose from, and that's the one. Those, my friends, that, ah, I love those events. Those are my favorite. Now this event, it had two choices for you to choose from each time, and the nice thing about only having two, most attendees attended one of those two sessions And the time before the session started, the time after the session ended, and the time in between where people are going from one to, everybody was centered all pretty much in one space. And once you started to see those people, you started to see them a lot throughout the entire time of the conference. And that, I thought, was pretty fantastic. The community vibe was awesome. It was just like family, just like all of these other New media events, we all share so much passion for creating content, putting our lives out there in hopes that it helps others. Great energy and enthusiasm among everyone. One of the things that I found pretty consistent among most of the attendees there is that a lot of them are really struggling with imposter syndrome, That because I, I had talked about imposter syndrome in my talk, and one of the things that some of them found interesting is that I still... Suffer from imposter syndrome myself. Every time I create a new goal or a new uh, a new direction where I want to do something different that I've never done before, I still struggle with fear about moving in that direction and setting out on a new course and charging money for something that that is new that it hasn't been that hasn't been proven by me. Regardless, if it's been done by other people, and when I, oftentimes when I see that it's been done. A, successfully by other people I usually have those same thoughts as these people and that is you know well of course there's a good reason people pay them because they have this and they're this and that that you know and all of those different things and so I found that this is a common theme among a lot of those folks and you know it's, it's one of the reasons why I love doing what I do with podcasting A to Z is is you know, a lot of people sign up for the A to Z course, and they think that they're just going to sign up and get a course that teaches them how to launch a podcast. But one of the things is, is that most of the materials to teach them how to do a podcast is already there. And yet I still give them direct access to me for four weeks. And I'm able to invest a whole lot more into them in the area of mindset and setting goals and expectations for the future and things to think about and different ways to think about approaching where they want to go. And sometimes I've had the the privilege of helping people, not that I told them, but helping set the foundation for them to come to the realization that the direction that they were planning on going wasn't something that was going to lead them to a place where they want to be in their life. So that was pretty cool. Basically, I loved New Media Europe. I thought it was a, a great event one of the other things I can tell you though is that I did not spend all of my time there so I didn't attend very many sessions and it's not because they didn't have great speakers and great topics because they did but the reality was is that I had massive jet lag I mean it was hitting me hard after my talk and then you know mingling and networking with people after my talk I just felt like so exhausted and not just physically, but also just emotionally. You know, I'm also an introvert. And so I just knew that I needed to get away. I went back to my room, I laid down, took a nap for about an hour and a half, two hours. And then I got up and I made use of the gym. I went down to the gym and worked out for an hour. And I did that each day of the conference. I I made time to go to the gym and pull. And of course, when do you do that? I could choose to do that during the day when sessions are going on or I could choose to do that at night when all the networking and mingling is going on. But when I go to these conferences, what takes priority is face-to-face conversations, face-to-face interaction. And so I chose to sleep and also to get into the gym during conference time. And that allowed me to still be there at the end of each of those days for those times uh, when people were networking and mingling. And that, that was the priority for me. So yeah, that was my approach, uh, that's New Media Europe, it was it was great, I uh, one thing I can tell you is that New Media Europe is going to happen again next year from what I can tell from Mike and Isabella. I would have guessed, and of course, it depends on wh- where they move. If they move out, if they keep it inside the UK, I think that pretty much everybody that was there this year, I would say almost all of them would be there next year and it will, because of the buzz of these people, it will be much larger next year. I do know that you know there's a the possibility that they may go to a different country. maybe the they'll they'll go to Germany or to Poland or someplace else in europe and and if they do that, I don't know that as many people that came from the UK would be there. I'm certain that a lot of them would be, but um, you know it, it would change the dynamic a little bit. But here's what I can tell you is that Mike and Isabella did a fabulous job with this being the first big event that they've done. This was done extremely well and i believe that it's the start of giving europe or non you know outside of the states it's it's an event that i think is going to fill the need and avoid for so many people because one of the things i can tell you is that i know how expensive it was for me to and i'm not just talking about the cost of a flight i'm talking about time and dealing with jet lag and all that stuff just how how much of a investment it is to get up and fly all the way to another continent. And I realized that these conferences, so many of these wonderful conferences that we've had here in the States, has not necessarily been something that fits in. It's just not possible or feasible for them to make it over here. But to have something over there in Europe for them and New Media Europe was, I will tell you right now, on a scale of one out of 10, I would give it a solid, you know what, I'm gonna give it a solid 10. I don't think that I can think of anything that would make the event better than what it was, except for more attendees, but even that, I loved how small it was because I had the opportunity to meet most of the people there. It was a great event, I'm glad that I went. It was worth it for me from the United States to go over there, even just for the weekend. I wish I could tell you more about Manchester, but unfortunately, between sleeping, Networking and mingling, having a few dinners and working out in the gym. I really didn't see a lot of Manchester. Alrighty, so that's that's my review of New Media Europe. If you're thinking about it for next year, go ahead and do it. It will be worth it. I promise you that. All right. So the last thing that I want to talk about in this episode is a. It's about a common theme that came up in conversation with a handful of folks that I met there in Manchester. And what I found was that many of the folks that I was talking to or that came up to me saying, hey, Cliff, you've really inspired me in this business pursuit that I have going on. I'm really working hard on building my brand, trying to grow my business from one person to the next person to the next person. I heard this phrase and I'm talking the exact wording. They said, I'm working really hard to try and grow my business, And after I heard that phrase, let's just say the second or third time, I decided to find out what are they doing? What are they working really hard at to grow that business that they're working on? When I started to ask that question and get into some dialogue, I found that really what most of them were focusing on, what they were working really hard at, was growing the size of their audience. I had people say, I'm really working hard on growing the size of my email list, which, by the way, that is a worthy cause to grow your mailing list as long as you have a good strategy of what happens when people get there. A lot of people said, I'm trying to gain more listeners for my podcast. I want more people to hear me. I'm like, okay, more readers to my blog, more unique visitors to my site, more followers on Twitter, more fans on my Facebook page, getting more sales of my ebook, trying to get more people to understand that I have these coaching packages that I offer. And what it seemed like to me was that so many people that I talk to who are trying to work really hard to grow their business are so heavily focused on. Getting more people, getting more people. And trust me, I understand the value in that. And in fact, it's something that I want to work really hard at doing as well. Maybe not working so hard that I fail to focus on some other very important aspects of growing our business. And that's what I want to talk today about. And that is growing your business is more than just getting more people to find out who you are no matter where you are in business whether you're just starting out with something on the side and you have a day job whether you've just quit your job and you're just now pursuing this full time and you're within your first couple months of it whether you've been doing it for a few years maybe you're 10 years into it and you're making more money now than you ever dreamed you would when you first started the reality is is that there wherever you are on that spectrum i suspect that many of us would say we we would be very interested in growing our business. Now, I I think I'm going to pause for just a second, and and before I move on further with what I have to say, I want to define what it means to grow our business. And I want you to understand when I say I want to grow my business, that doesn't necessarily mean like in its size, in its complexity, in its overall scope of operations and and everything like that. Now, for many of you, perhaps that is what you mean. Maybe that for you growing your business means adding an extra 40 employees within the next 2 years and you know expanding to new territories and and having different district managers and all of that other stuff and and all the complexity that comes with that. Perhaps that's a part of your business model which is different right now than my own mindset for what I mean when I mean growing my business. And for me, when I think about growing my business, I think about growing my influence and my ability to serve others in the world. And also, when I mean growing my business, I mean growing myself. And some of that may be expanding. Maybe for me, that's hiring a virtual staff, or maybe it's at one point hiring employees. Who knows? Who knows? But one thing that I know is that when I think about how do I grow my business, I mean, how can I make my business more productive, more efficient? How can I make it more profitable? And how can I have it to where it serves more people? Those are the things that I want to do when I grow my business. And so I, do, I just want you to know when I say when I we all probably want to grow our business, it doesn't necessarily mean that we want to grow the organization and the administration necessary to keep up with that a good friend of mine dan miller recently ended his most recent episode of his 48 days to the work you love podcast and in the end of that he asked him a question and he posed a question and he says you know a lot of people say that they want to grow their business but oftentimes i'm surprised at how many times when i ask the question you know hey let's just imagine you know a couple years down the road and you succeed in growing the business in the way that you're thinking right now, do you think that that's automatically going to make your life better? If whatever you're working hard to do right now in your mind, can you see five or 10 years down into the future and just assuming that you achieve everything you're setting out to do, are you sure that that's going to make your life better? And I love that question because I ask myself oftentimes, hmm, you know, I have a lot of people who are very successful that speak into my life that I very much admire their advice and their wisdom. And they have a different model. They have lots of employees. They have lots of success in lots of different ways. And they'll give me some advice. And I'm like, that's really solid advice. And I I might start pursuing it. But oftentimes I need to stop and say, wait a second. That did work for them. And I look at their life And it seems to be working for them, maybe. But the question is, is if I had that lifestyle that that person has and I achieved success in the way that they have success, would that make me happy? And I'm not so sure that it always does or always will, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, I, I just felt like I needed to pull that out of this conversation. But let's just assume we all have in our mind what we mean when we say grow our business. When we say we want to work really hard to grow our business, we have in our mind what our business success looks like five, 10 years down the road. And that may look different for each one of us, but the question is, is that ideal of of future growth of our business, is that gonna help us live the lifestyle that we desire to live? And if so, what do we do to get there? And I would like to say that the focus isn't always on gaining more people all the time. And and yes, I do see value in gaining lots of attention from lots of new people. Oftentimes what I find is that people who are so focused on growing their business, they're so focused on getting new people, new people, new people, that they fail to spend time on other important things like growing yourself, growing your influence, with those who have already worked with you, with those who are working with you now, and also growing your influence with the people who will potentially hire you in the future. And not only growing yourself and growing your influence, but growing your ability to serve others. And I do believe that every single person who has this this personal brand, this business, I consider myself to be what's called a solopreneur. I believe that every one of us can find whatever it takes to grow ourselves, to grow our influence, and our ability to serve others if we focus on asking ourselves four different questions. All right? The first question is, what is the one thing that I can do to make myself more valuable to my existing and future customers? What is the one thing that I can do to make myself more valuable? And I'm going to give you just a couple ideas here. First of all, learn a new skill. Something that your audience or your customer base desires to know more about or something that can benefit them greatly. Now, giving you examples from my own history here of becoming the podcast answer man, I was just an average guy who decided to create a podcast about a television show as a hobby, and I wasn't all that great at it at first. And I certainly didn't know anything about podcast equipment. I had horrible sound in the beginning and even had people donate money to so that I could improve my sound. And I found myself going out and buying new expensive equipment, finding that <laughs> it just wasn't the answer. I, I, did, I would wait for that equipment to show up and then all of a sudden I wouldn't have the cables that I needed and I had to wait a couple more days. And I found that I even ordered the wrong cables. And so through a lot of trial and error and a lot of making mistakes, I began to learn a new skill in understanding the right podcast equipment for good audio. And I continued to build on that skill of, actually the skill would be podcast equipment knowledge. I would build on that by buying new pieces of equipment, things that I didn't even need just to test it out and just to play around with it and review it and learn how it works so that I could have that skill to help my clients. Another thing is learning how to edit audio. I remember when I first recorded audio, my audio levels were all over the place. I had hissing and pops and every kind of bad audio problem you could possibly imagine. I had friends who were reaching out to me who were absolutely professionals when it came to audio editing and they were telling me things and they were showing me screenshots of before and after and how they fixed and cleaned up things and they were and, and I just did it was all going over my head and today I could go back to those emails and because I added a new skill of audio editing I now know what those people are talking about and not only that I learned it I studied it and now I'm teaching people audio editing Same thing can be said for my digital product creation, understanding pricing is a skill, online community building, the list can go on and on. But one of the things that we can do to make ourselves more valuable, to grow ourselves, is to learn a new skill. So when you say, hey, I'm working really hard to build my business. Well, I hope that a part of that is learning a new skill. And another thing that you could do to make yourself more valuable, you could read a book. And specifically, I like to read books that create a positive mindset shift or that literally shifts the way I think about something. And and in the field that I'm in, as a coach, I have the ability, once I read a book, to start sharing that. Of course, as a podcast content creator, I can share the insights of that book with my audience and create valuable content for them that helps give them new insights and inspiration on things that they can do to change their lives, just because I read a book and then summarize what I'm learning from it, it has tremendous value for people. So it's not just the value that I get in having my own mind shifted, but it helps my audience who listens to my content. There are those who hire me one-on-one for coaching or when I have conversations one-on-one with clients and students, I can literally pour into them the vast amount of wisdom and knowledge that I've picked up from the books that I have read that all of a sudden become this great resource of valuable information that I can give to those people. Books that I can think of, I'll just give you three books going from the earliest books that I read to a book that right in the middle of my journey to a book that I just finished reading this last week. And so starting off, there was 48 Days to the Work You Love by my friend Dan Miller. That book radically shifted my mind about the way that I think about spending hours and exchanging those for dollars. And I used to think that people would, the the way the world worked was that the more you hated your job but were great at it, the more money you made. And that's why I felt like as an insurance agent, I should be extremely successful financially. And I was extremely successful financially as an insurance agent. But I despised that job. I hated it, but it was serving people. And because it was serving people and I hated it so much and I put so many hours into it, I felt like that's what gave me the right to earn as much money as I did. And when I actually left that career in insurance to pursue my hobby full, as a full-time career, something that I loved, I had a real difficult time charging people money. And, and the reason was because I felt like it wasn't, you know, I shouldn't be paid to do something I love to do so much. And it was Dan Miller's book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, that really helped me understand that, that there's a different way to think about earning money and that you can and probably even should earn money from doing something that fulfills your purpose and gives you great meaning and fulfillment in life. Anyway, 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. If you haven't read that book, I encourage you to go get it. Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. Now, personally, it's hard for me to recommend this book except for the fact that it radically changed my life. Uh, And why I say it's difficult for me to recommend this book is because, well, the guy who wrote it is kind of arrogant. And I really don't like his attitude throughout most of the book. But this book had a radical, profound impact in my life when it came to his explanation of the money blueprint and learning how our prior programming through life from a child all the way up to where we are now has created in us um, a, a blueprint of, about how much money we can earn and still feel good about and oftentimes, we self-sabotage ourselves once we hit a a ceiling of so much income. And if we make more money beyond that, we oftentimes will self-sabotage how much money we're making. We'll, we'll lose all of that money as a result of basically not feeling good about it. I, I'm not going to go into great detail, but I will tell you that Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker let, it, it changed my life. My income literally doubled from the year, after I read that book, my income doubled that year and my income doubled the year after that. And I know that I can point specifically to the, the week that I read, uh, I can't remember what chapter it was, but one specific chapter in that book opened my mind to some really valuable insights. And guess what? Not only has my income increased radically as a result of that, because of the insights and wisdom that I've gained from that book, I've been able to coach others in the area of pricing. Remember, I told you that understanding pricing is a skill that I learned that has helped me, and that's something that I am able to now pass on. So not only has that benefited me by reading that book, but I'm able to pass that on to others. Another book, and I just finished reading this last week, it's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And this is all about basically figuring out what is time management, what is multitasking, why is it important that we maybe rethink about efficiency and getting things done and all of these other things. And I'm not even going to do this justice, but I can just say that the one thing that I got from this book is understanding that not everything has to get done. Not everything is important and it's okay to intentionally let many balls drop, as long as what you're focused on at any given point in the day, at any given area of your life, that at each moment, at each present moment, are you doing the one single best thing for you in that area to achieve whatever goal or outcome that you desire to have. And it does have something in there about time blocking, and so you could say it's a little bit about time management, but it's about having and living an extremely, extraordinarily successful life, not just in your business, but in every area of life, and it's all about focusing on the one thing. If that sounds interesting to you, I encourage you to read that book. So, how do you make yourself more valuable? Learn a new skill, read a new book, all right? But, there is a third thing that I wanna tell you about about how to make yourself more valuable to your existing and future customers, and, something that you've heard me focus a lot on this year, and that is taking your health and fitness seriously. I'm gonna read to you a sentence that I have written down in my show notes, and I want you to listen to each word because I think it has so much power, all right? Take your health and fitness seriously so that you are full of energy and creativity when you work with or for your clients rather than being that overworked, overstressed, sleep-deprived guy who just gets the job done for them. My friends, if your goal is to wow your clients, to exceed their expectations, it's extremely difficult to do that. And I know for from experience, I know how difficult it is to be on the edge of burnout or even past the point of burnout, being overstressed, sleep-deprived, and trying to exceed my clients' and students' expectations. You know, I, that's my goal. In everything that I wanna do, I don't wanna meet the expectations of value for anybody who buys stuff from me, whether it be a pr- online product or a service or coaching, one-on-one, anything. If they buy something from me, I never want people to get what they expect. I want them to get more. I want to deliver more value. And if you're on the edge or beyond the edge of burnout, If you're overworked, overstressed and sleep deprived, it is extremely difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. Some of you have been doing it for years. I did it for years. But I wanna tell you this, that when you are that overworked, overstressed and sleep deprived guy who is delivering value to your existing clients, there's a good chance that there are other areas of your life that are falling apart. And that was true for me. And it wasn't until I took my health and fitness seriously that all of a sudden, hmm, priorities started to line up. I understood that not everything is important. I understand that some things just aren't going to get done. And I needed to get serious and clear about what are the most important things. And this was even before I read the book, The One Thing. I got very serious about my priorities and saying what I would become an expert at saying no at. It was really my health and fitness focus that has radically changed my life and is helping me take my business to a whole new level. Okay, so that was the first question. What is the one thing that I can do to make myself more valuable to my existing and future customers? The second question that you can ask or focus on is what is the one thing that I can do to add significant additional value to previous customers? You know, the, if you have had customers who have already purchased from you, whether that be your products or services, coaching, whatever, These are the people who are most likely to already know, like, and trust you. And if you did a great job for them in the past, these are the folks who are most likely to hire you again or buy more from you in the future. So instead of always thinking, how can I add new people, new people, new people, what can I do? And this is the second question. What is the one Thing that I can do, the one best thing that I can do to add significant additional value to previous customers. Now, I'll just give you one example of something that I talked about last week in episode 418 of Podcast Answer Man. I told you that you know I had all these thousands of people who have purchased the Roland R05 or R09HR digital audio recorder as a result of my promoting it or even selling it to them directly. And over the years, people have consistently asked me, how do I create field interviews? What's the best way to do interviews out in the field with this device? And then more recently, the question is, how can I hook up two dynamic microphones to this recorder? And when it came up over and over again, I'm like, okay, what is the one best thing I could do right now to add additional value to my previous customers? And that was to create, actually, to number one, research six different ways of creating field interviews. Going all the way from using the internal microphones to using one microphone plugged into it and then three different options for, actually no, four different options for recording two microphones into the recorder and all the ancillary equipment that goes with it. And after doing all of that research, creating a high quality, super amazing video that shows all of the different options so that people who have already purchased my tutorial in the past on this recorder, so that people who have already purchased this recorder from me in the past, I can give that to them for free. That adds a ton of additional value. Yes, I could have charged for it and that would have still added value, but in this case, I already had a tutorial for the Roland recorder and I just created that video, a very high value video to those people for free as a bonus of my digital recorder tutorial. And then I said to everybody who purchased that tutorial in the past, hey guys, I wanna let you know that the most common question that you guys are asking is this. And I created this amazing tutorial. It's a bonus video that's included with the purchase of the Roland Digital Audio Recorder. And because you've already purchased this, you can sign in using this link and password that you already had, and you will now be able to watch that as well that my friends added significant additional value to previous customers. I could have made money from that, I chose to give it away for free, but I can tell you this, when I do have additional things that I'm going to create in the future, and I reach out to those same people, I'm almost certain that a high percentage of those people, knowing that if they are interested in that, they'll almost certainly be interested in this, and when I market this to them, yes, you get the idea, it's going to help me grow my business, right? All right, so that's the second question. What is the one best thing that I can do to add significant additional value to previous customers? Go and see if you can find some answers to that. All right, and so the third question that you can ask is what is the one best thing that I can do to add additional value to my existing clients or the people that I'm working with right now? Now for me, an example of this might be where I had a podcasting A to Z student who was having trouble getting their audio player to show up on the theme that they had purchased. They purchased this third-party theme for WordPress and because of this third-party theme and the way that it was coded, it was conflicting with the PowerPress plugin that I recommend and the audio player wasn't showing up the way that my tutorial showed that it should. So this person reached out to me and technically... You know, I could have done some troubleshooting and asked a couple questions, told him to look for this, try this and try that. And we could have spent half a day going back and forth with my support and getting him the resolution he desired. But if I ask myself, what is the one best thing that I can do to add additional value to this client or this student for me at this very moment? What is the one thing that I can do to add additional value to this student right here, right now? And you know what I did? I said, listen, do me a favor, go into your admin panel, go to the users section, I want you to create a new user and set it up for me at, with admin access. It, what I'll do is if you can email me the, name, the link to your sign in, the username that you created, the password, I will sign in and I'll troubleshoot this for you. And that's exactly what the student did. They si- set it up, they sent me an email, I saw the email, I clicked in, Took me about 10 minutes to figure out what was going on. And then I actually took some screenshots and I came back and I showed this is how I fixed it. And this is what I see that's going on. If you want, you can actually go to the theme developer and tell them that this is going on or this solution is working, you can just let it go with that but uh, this should take care of you. And that added additional value to my existing clients. That is certainly not something that I promise for any of my students and it's not something I can do for every student all day long, but it just happened to be at that very moment in time, I didn't have a ton of backlog of questions to answer and so I had the time to do it and I offered it and it was the one best thing that I could do to add additional value to that student at that moment in time. That's a great question to ask. And then the fourth question is this. What is the one best thing that I can do to build a deeper relationship with someone who is within my target audience? You know, and this is all about looking for ways to add value into the lives of those who are probably in my target audience, people who might become customers or students or whatever in the future. And you know what? I've talked about this all the time, so I'm not gonna go into great detail on it, But this is all about finding those people out there who are within your target audience, connect with them, build relationships with them through social media, through face-to-face interaction at conferences or whatever the case may be, and look for ways to learn who those people are, what's important to them, and using any connection, any experience, anything that's within your power to make their lives better, to help them succeed. Even when there is no direct ROTI, or return on time invested, just look for ways to serve people. It doesn't have to immediately you know, get people closer to a, the funnel of buying things and conversions and all that other stuff. Just look for ways to improve other people's lives. Search for ways to build deeper relationships and make their lives better. And the good thing is, is that oftentimes these people may never buy a product or service from you, but the chances are they know people who will. You know, oftentimes people who are in our target audience are doing life with other people who are in our target audience. And so while they may never buy anything from you or purchase any of your products or hire you one-on-one, the reality is, is they are going to be so well-served by you that they have such a deep relationship with you that they know about your products, they know about your services that they themselves might not ever need, but they know people who could benefit from them, and because of the relationship they have with you, they are more than happy and will likely refer others to you. So if you wanna know how to work hard to grow your business, by all means, grow your mailing list, grow your audience size, do all of those things, but don't focus so heavily on those things that you forget to ask these four questions. And again, those questions in summary are, what is the one best thing that I can do to make myself more valuable to my existing and future customers? I encourage you to learn a new skill, read a book, and take your health and fitness very seriously. Number two, what is the one best thing that I can do to add significant additional value to previous customers? And number three, what is the one best thing that I can do to add significant value to my existing clients, those who I'm working with right now? And what is the one best thing that I can do with my time right this moment to build a deeper relationship with someone who is within my target audience? And again, I'm focusing on that question being one person at a time. It doesn't have to be, you know, hundreds of people at a time. How can I get my next 1,000 followers? Anyway. Those are my thoughts, my friends. Good luck to each of you and myself as well. (laughs) Let's all take our business to the next level. And well, my friends, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Real quickly, I just want to remind you that my next session of podcasting A to Z is coming up on Monday, October 26th. And this is going to be my final session of 2015. It is also going to be the final session that only costs $19.99. Now, I know that there are many of you who have been thinking about taking podcasting A to Z. You're... You're just waiting for the right time to open up in your schedule and stuff like that. Well, I do want to let you know, and I announced this last week, I let the cat out of the bag. Starting in 2016, in January, the cost of the course is going to $29.99. So it's going up $1,000 to go through the course. So if you want to save $1,000 on the cost of podcasting A to Z and you've been thinking about it, you want to get in on the October 26th session. It is my 22nd session of Podcasting A to Z and I happen to know it's going to sell out. So if you want to get in, you want to get in early. I'll be emailing my list probably this weekend or the early part of next week. It'll be the first email that I send out to my list to market this. When they hear that the price is going up by $1,000, I know there are a lot of people who have been on the fence who are finally going to say, you know what? okay, I'm going to make the time in October. So again, October 26th, head over to to podcastinga2z.com and get signed up right away. I would love to be your personal coach for four weeks. And that's the important thing to understand is not only will you get all the details on how to launch a podcast, but you will have access to me to ask any question you want, anything you want to ask me for four weeks and I answer every question that you ask me. And... I am your personal coach for that four weeks. In fact, I've had several students who already had successful podcasts who came back and took the course a second time just because they wanted to have me as their personal coach during those four weeks. And if you have been thinking about podcasting A to Z, get in there, podcastingatoz.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you found this podcast valuable. And by the way, the best way that you can help me get the word out about this show is for you to go out and tell somebody about this particular episode. And if you do that, if you go out and tell one person about the show, would you go over to podcastanswerman.com slash 419 and let me know in the comment section who you told and how you told them and why you told them, I would love to hear about that. And of course, if you're listening to this more than 30 days after I release it, then uh, the comment section will be closed. But you can still email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com and say, hey, Cliff, I shared episode 419 with someone today. Or if you decided to share a different episode, that's fine too. But the best way, the single best way for you to help me get the word out about this show is for you to tell one other person about it. All right, God bless. Until next time, my friends. I encourage each and every one of you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast. some man.